Hey there, everyone. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the first AEW Collision Review of 2024. It is January 6th. I'm Denise Salcedo, and we got to talk about what went down today with Collision. Now, I'm going to be frank with everybody here, as I always am. Uh, in regards to this being the first show for 2024, I didn't really feel like today's episode of Collision kind of hit the mark for the, uh, considering it's the first one of 2024, I, I always feel like there's got to be a little bit of an extra bang, a little bit of an extra kick. I really wasn't feeling today's show, guys. Um, and unfortunately, I tweeted this out too, and I was having issues the entire show with commentary audio so the entire show guys i listened to aw collision with the volume sounding like this so i did my best impression of that but it literally sounded like commentary was light years away, like they were doing commentary from the moon. I don't know what was happening. And it wasn't happening to everybody, though. That's the thing. Uh, it's so weird. It was only happening to select people. I put out a tweet, and um, at first I thought it was just me. I started fixing all of my little buttons here on my audio, and I thought that it was an issue because sometimes I, I've told you guys in past shows where – um, it doesn't always, the audio doesn't always come through so great on my headphones. So I thought it was me, but then I went and I went on Twitter and a lot of people were talking about how, you know, they weren't getting commentary audio very well. So finally I put out a tweet to see what the hell was going on. And there were several people from like all different types, like uh, Hulu, YouTube TV, um, some direct TV, some uh, no sling. I think sling was fine and fight TV was fine, but I saw a lot of other people, Xfinity, uh, all of these other places that they were having problems with their audio. So I don't know if any of you guys have, that um, we got John Deller here who says that his started that way, but it cleared up. Nah, bro, mine stayed like that the entire time. So if commentary um, had any great moments today, I missed them pretty much all. Uh, so this was pretty much a show that I felt like I was sort of watching on mute. And so it didn't really help a whole lot. But uh, I just kind of felt like I think the show just needed a little bit more. And for me, I think the big thing that was missing from Collision or that is missing from Collision, uh, in my opinion, is that I don't really feel... Um, and then, of course, keep in mind, Brian Danielson wasn't on here today. So that's obviously a big piece of collision. But I don't really feel like there's a big story on collision that is intriguing me to be like, oh, man, I got to tune into collision because this is a story that I got to follow up on each and every single week. Whereas I sort of feel and I've I've talked about this a lot uh, on previous reviews of collision where I kind of feel like my uh, some of the matchups that we get are with talent that either we don't see very often or we're kind of in a situation where they're not really big stars. So it feels like it's lacking star power. And even when you do have acts that you're interested in, they're usually in matches with other acts that you're maybe not as interested in. And I feel like that's sort of been something that I've talked about multiple times when it comes to the Collision reviews. And the other thing about Collision that I've come to realize is Collision to me is the, how do I say this? This is the, the, the Las Vegas show. Let me explain this. The Las Vegas show. I'm going to explain what I mean by this. All right, everyone. 
Most of you know that when I go to Las Vegas, I like to, you know, I like to gamble a little bit, right? Like my dreams are to pop in one day with five bucks and come out with $10,000. Honestly, like that, those are my hopes every time I go to Las Vegas. And there's times where I go and I play my little $5 bill and I get lucky, right? I get, I get, I, I stay with a machine for 30 minutes. Maybe I'll go up a bit. I'll get to $35. Maybe I'll go down, but I'll be there for a good amount of time. But then there's other times where I put in $5, press play, and my money is gone. It's a gamble. That is what AEW Collision to me feels like. There are certain episodes where I've come on here and I'm like, damn, this was a good show. If Collision does more of this, I'm on board. But then there are other shows where I'm like, damn, I feel like I just put five bucks in here and didn't get that much in return or didn't at least have a lot of playtime here. So that is the best way to describe Collision uh, for me on a weekly basis. So this one was unfortunately not my favorite. There's been other episodes that I thought have been tremendously better. However, with that being said, I did think that the main event was very good. A lot of people were very, uh, you know, invested in it. The crowd was really digging it. Of course, it was House of Black FTR. I think for the most part, everybody knew that this match was going to be pretty damn spot on. I mean, that was the thing that they first promoted for this show. I think they, when did they promote it? I think it was, and they promoted it with a good amount of time. It's been like over a week that we've known that this match was going to take place at uh, Collision. And so personally, like going into this, I was like, all right, I know for sure I'm getting this match. It's going to be really good. And that's exactly what it was. And that was to me, um, the highlight of the show was just seeing House of Black and FTR kind of go at it. A couple of near falls, seeing Brody King come out, Daniel Garcia getting him with a bunch of chair shots, FTR winning, but House of Black... House of Black attacking them afterwards. Uh, House of Black tends to have some pretty good moments on collision. Now it's just a matter of really making them feel like there is some good follow-up because I don't think that the follow-up to a lot of the moments that we've seen for House of Black on collision have been as amazing, but that's where we're at right now. And then keep in mind too, here's the other thing. The past episodes of collision, we had... Um, all of the Continental Classic matches, those are no longer there. And I think that was a obviously a big part of what kept Collision feeling like, oh shit, you know, a lot of people were talking about how they actually preferred the Blue League matches over the Gold League matches when it came to the Continental Classic. So yeah, man, without the Continental Classic, without guys like Brian Danielson, without like a real big story to uh, continuously continuously follow on Collision, those are some of the things that uh, I do want to see more of. And I want to see a little less of um, random matches that don't really feel like they're going anywhere. That's that's my critique on Collision, but we got to get into some of the other things that went down. And I'm going to start things off by giving a shout out to Sheldon Jackson for sending in five DWO memberships. It's always thank you so much to Sheldon Jackson. Uh, we got Delayed Gratz here who says, good start and great finish, but middle of the show had three squashes. My audio was perfect on YouTube TV. Must have been your ISP. Bro, I have no idea what ISP is, man. All I know is my audio was not working <laughs> and it was terribly annoying guys uh it got to the point where i could literally just watch the show without my headphones and i was just chilling watching the show and i don't like doing that guys watching wrestling with no commentary 
I don't like doing that. Of course, when you're at live events, it's not that bad, obviously, because you're there and it's a totally different experience and it's a vibe with the crowd and everything. But at home on TV, you definitely need the commentary and you need, uh, you know, you want to grasp of, of how the crowd is reacting to things. So it was a little bit hard for me to uh, do without that portion of things. Grapple Geekery says the audio was messed up on Roku. They sounded like robots. That said, I like the show. Of course, being from North Carolina probably biased me a bit. Hey, man, uh, different things work for different people. This one just wasn't for me. But hey, maybe it was being from North Carolina. Maybe that helped some bit. Uh, Grapple Geekery, thank you so much for the super chat. Johnny says AEW should definitely do a brand split. I don't think they should do a brand split. Like I like the way things are are going I just don't want to have to feel like collision today felt like very lopsided where all of the a plus plus talents and acts were on a the other side versus collision definitely felt very slim of course you had Adam Copeland that's fine but you know he was in a match against Griff Garrison so it's not anything to really write write home about so uh I don't think they need to do a brand split but I would definitely try to find a way, hopefully, to just put a little bit more uh, stars on Collision just to even it out just a little bit. And they have the talent. That's the thing. I feel they have the talent. Doppelganger399 says, man, show with a good main event. Uh, yeah, honestly, that really is what it was. It was uh, There's going to be some things to talk about. Don't get me wrong. But it really was the main event that was worth tuning in for. Uh, thank you so much to Doppelganger399 for that generous super chat. We got Rafael Garcia who says, Wardlow wants the title. Hook wants the title. Boots the Lizard wants the title. That's the main points. Otherwise, the show is SmackDown circa 2014. So it's funny that you say that, Rafael, because uh, something similarly crossed my mind. How many of you guys remember those days where I was covering Rampage and SmackDown? Uh, I, think, I think I was still with F4W when I was doing these shows, but... Uh, I was covering SmackDown and Rampage. And what was this? God, like a year ago, a year and a half ago. I don't even know anymore. And I remember that I would spend like 45 minutes talking about Rampage and like five minutes talking about SmackDown because they weren't giving me squat to work with. Obviously, things are totally different now. Uh, so things can change. Um, but I remember feeling that way. And that's sort of how I felt a little bit about Collision today in particular. Grapple Geekery says the show is stacked with North Carolina natives. Drake is from North Carolina. So is FTR and Griff. Everett wrestles in North Carolina a lot too. I think that explains the lineup. Well, Grapple Geekery, I mean, you did mention that you like the show because you are from North Carolina and that's fine. But, uh, and I get why all of those people were on, but in terms of just like crossing over at least to uh, me, a viewer at home, uh, it wasn't necessarily working for me. Matt Logan says, felt they wasted the rated R superstar by giving Garrison too much offense. He's in a blood feud. Like I, so here's, here's the thing. I did not feel, I actually didn't feel like they gave um, Griff Garrison like that much. I mean, this literally was what it was, but I pretty much feel like the match with Adam Copeland and Griff Garrison it was pretty much what we saw with Claudio Castagnoli and Andrew Everett. It, it was pretty much along the lines of the same match where um, 
you know, he goes out there, young guy goes out there, gets a couple of moments, gets a couple of, you know, uh, gets a couple of moments, period. But at the end of the day, you know, they ain't going to be losing to the other person. And that's what we got with uh, Adam Copeland and Griff Garrison. And that's also what we got with Andrew Everett and Claudio Castagnoli. So it kind of felt a little more or less like the exact same thing. Sheldon Jackson sends in a super chat saying, man, I'm feeling sorry for Trent because when he gets singles matches or title shots, I think that he does amazing, but I don't know if he will ever get a title again. And that is a shame. So in regards to that match, by the way, um, I'm going to go ahead and get into that right now, actually, because I want to talk about that. And what the hell? Oh, here it is. All right. Sorry, guys. For one second, I couldn't find my notes on this match. And I was like, what happened? What happened? Um. <laughs> Anyways, that's only one time has that happened to me. Uh, when I first started doing podcasts on my own, I don't know what happened one day, but I deleted my entire notes for an episode of Dynamite. And I was like, holy shit. I didn't have any of my notes and just had to run with the show like that. And it was like one of the worst experiences of my life. But anyways, never did it again. Uh, notes are good. But anyways. Getting into this match with Trent and Eddie Kingston. So last week, last week on Dynamite, or rather this week, excuse me, Wednesday on Dynamite, we saw Trent Beretta win in a fatal four-way to earn this opportunity to go on and face Eddie Kingston and be his first opponent um, for the AEW Continental title, the New Japan uh, Strong Openweight title, and the Ring of Honor World title. So all three belts here. And... I, for one, was very much over the moon excited about that because if you have ever listened to any of my other episodes of Dynamite where I'm talking about the show and Trent Beretta has been on it, I have been on board with this guy. I truly think that Trent Beretta is super underrated and I would have been wanting, I have been wanting to see this guy get a real push. So when he got the win on Wednesday, I thought like, hot dang, this is pretty great. And I know there were some people that were like, eh, like meh about it. But I do think that Trent Beretta is a guy that if he really, if they keep just having him go out there and wrestle, I think that he can prove some people wrong, man. Uh, I think that people just be need, need to be reminded that this guy can go. Like, I want to see Tremperetta and Pac. I want to see Tremperetta uh, and, I mean, obviously, Tremperetta and Brian Danielson. That's something for sure. But literally, Tremperetta and, like, everybody. Tremperetta and Darby Allen. That would be fun. Um, there's so many different matchups that I think that if you got the opportunity to see him mix it up with all these different guys, I think people would see um, what uh, what I see in Tremperetta. And so, I was definitely not expecting him to win here with Eddie Kingston. I'm more so seeing this as a start to what could be a really good 2024 for Trent because given the fact that they chose him as the guy to win this Fatal 4-Way and be the first person to go up against Eddie Kingston, something tells me that 2024 might look a little bit better for Trent. So I have some high hopes for him. And we'll see what he makes of that. I think if he goes out there and he just continues to show how good of a wrestler he is, I think that organically the crowd will get behind him. Sort of like they've gotten behind uh, Daniel Garcia, uh, the way that they got behind Swerve Strickland. I mean, there are so many people that they just had to go out there, wrestle, have good matches, and the people get behind them. 
We need that to happen for Trent Beretta to get to that next level. So I'm not necessarily worried about him not getting a championship. I'm more so thinking about just Trent getting an actual opportunity, period. Um, so that's where I'm at with that. But anyways, that was probably my second favorite match of the night, aside from the main event itself, which Trent Beretta versus Eddie Kingston. I mean, like he got busted open in this match. There was a couple of near falls. Of course, Eddie Kingston gets the victory. Uh, I wasn't expecting anything otherwise than that. But this was a pretty good little uh, match on Collision, and it was the second match of the night. So it was definitely um, not a bad one at all. But we got Brandon James Sauce Gardner, who just became a brand new DWO member. Uh, thank you so much to Brandon James Sauce Gardner. Uh, Stephen Martulli says, Malachi Black should be in a singles match. Um, good use of Copeland versus Young Wrestler, but wrong young talent. It's hard to say, guys. It's hard to say because I really have liked Griff Garrison. Um, we've talked about him and uh, Brian Pillman when they were, Brian Pillman Jr., excuse me, when they were together as a tag team as the varsity blondes if you guys remember like that team actually got over it's just that nothing ever happened with them past that it seems like they were getting over with people but it wasn't enough to make people really notice to move them on to the next chapter of their career. And so things never really ended up panning out. Of course, now uh, Brian Pillman Jr. moved on. He's in WWE as Lexus King. And Griff Garrison is in the same spot in AEW. And so that's definitely, you know... You, I'm sure he wants to see more. He's still a young guy, though. So, you know, there's plenty of time for him to do more. This was probably the one of the biggest moments he's gotten in AEW to have this matchup with Adam Copeland. It's just like, I don't, I don't know if he was the wrong young guy. It's just that we don't see him often. So that's where it's a little bit of a struggle. I feel like if I were constantly seeing Griff Garrison, then I'd be like, all right, let's go, you know, like, let's do this. But when I, when you're not seeing the people as much, I think it makes it a little bit harder to get behind them. So um, it, it's more so of like, Maybe just timing there. Jared Clark, thank you so much for sending in. Gerard. Gerard Clark. Gerard. I needed a second. Uh, he says, I won an AEW Continental Women's Classic this year with New Japan Strong Women's Title, Ring of Honor Women's Title, and the AEW Continental Title winner, Time Mello or Anna J. So, um... It's hard to say, guys, because I don't think that the Ring of Honor Women's Championship should um, be combined with any of the other mentions uh, that you just mentioned right now with the New Japan Strong Women's title or the AEW Continental title. It would be cool if they did decide to do something like that. But I feel like right now, like Athena has done so much with that championship that that championship has been built up on its own to stand on its own two legs. So I feel like doing anything additional with that is not necessarily needed. I feel like had they, I get where you're going with this, but I don't know, man. I, I, I like the idea of that just being its title by itself. Um, but in terms of the AEW continental classic for the women, it would be great. Um, I feel like at this point, they definitely have enough women. There's probably a couple that um, need to come back first because some of them are out to due to injury like Jamie Hayter. She's definitely one of them that I think would uh, need to come back before they do this tournament because I think she should definitely be part of that. 
But thank you so much to Gerard for sending in the super chat. Yes, boy says anyone you're hoping to interview in 2024 that you haven't interviewed yet. Just finished watching uh, your Mansoor video and it has become my favorite to follow this year. Do that Mansoor interview phenomenal man phenomenal um but people that i would love to interview this year is definitely brian danielson i really hope that i get to interview him at some point before um you know, just I want to interview Brian Danielson. Like I would love to just sit down and like pick his brain and get that opportunity. So Brian Danielson is one of them. Sting is another one of those two. That's like a dream interview. Um, I would love to interview him as well. Um, I would love to sit down with like Kenny Omega. He's another one for sure. And um, I'm trying to think there's a lot more. I would also love to tap chat with Dustin Rhodes. I think his stories would be really, really cool to kind of listen to, especially because he's had such a long career in pro wrestling. I would love to talk to him about Dusty and just a bunch of different stuff, right? Um, so he's another one of those two. God, there's so many guys. Like those are just a couple that I'm thinking of on the AEW side of things, but there's definitely a lot more. Uh, by the way, thank you so much to Brandon James Sauce Gardner for gifting um, two memberships, actually. Thank you so much um, for doing that. That's very, very kind of you, man. Juan Castle says, for Eddie Kingston is not a draw, cyber hug, D cyber hug D. So I don't know. I really think it depends on the person. Uh, I feel like Reg and I kind of got into this on the AW Dynamite post show where we've gone into an argument about who we liked more, whether it was Eddie Kingston or Gunther of all people. I don't even remember how the conversation came up, man. But I was like appalled that Reg was more of an Eddie Kingston guy than a Gunther guy. Because I'm more of a Gunther girl than an Eddie Kingston girl. And I think people have... I think when it comes to Eddie Kingston, I think that he's incredibly talented. He's had so many matches that I freaking love. Like seeing him and Tomohiro Ishii was some of my favorite stuff. Seeing him and Suzuki, love that too. Um, love anytime we get like really hard hitting stuff between uh, Eddie Kingston and literally anybody else. But with that being said, I don't think I'm like the biggest Eddie Kingston fan. That's just because I'm bigger fans of other people. But I am... Uh, I do like Eddie Kingston in terms of his work, whether or not he's a draw, I guess. I, I don't know. I feel like that would kind of just depend a little bit on, you know, people's perspective of that. Um, all right. And thank you, John Deller. He reminds me that we were talking about chops. That's right. So Reg and I were comparing Eddie Kingston's and Gunther's chops to one another. And that's how the whole uh, conversation transpired. But anyways, I'm more of a Gunther chop girl. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, that dude just sends people to like other dimensions, man. He turns people different colors. Uh, I would rank also Seamus's chops um, above uh, Eddie Kingston's too. I think Eddie King, I mean, sorry. Uh, Seamus also turns people different colors. I think I would rank Seamus above there too. Um, oh God, if I started getting into a chop conversation, I'll be here all day, but there's a lot of people that do really great chops, chops, uh, anyways, but let's see what we got here. Um, so we already talked about house of black and FTR. Let's get into the Adam Copeland stuff. So we kind of touched on this a little bit, but let me actually break down what went down. So Adam Copeland comes out and he cuts this promo about how he should be the one getting an automatic rematch because he was uh, he was champion, even if it was just for a minute for the TNT championship. And then I thought this was funny because Adam Copeland says that he actually works harder than Christian Cage and that Christian Cage knows it. And I was like, bro. Christian Cage is the one 
with the shirt that says outwork everyone he's the one with the shirt what are we talking about christian cage doesn't work hard enough so i kind of thought that that was sort of funny uh just those two like uh just the positions was pretty funny but um Adam Copeland basically says that he's going to earn his way back into a rematch for the TNT championship. And I'm thinking, I mean, he doesn't really have to do that, right? He doesn't really have to. I'm pretty sure he can get his rematch and we can go from there. But then he says, like, he's calling out anybody from the back. And I'm thinking, oh, shit, here we go. Adam Copeland versus a mystery person. Who is it going to be? I'm really excited. <laughs> and then... We get Griff Garrison, Maria Canellis, and Cole Carter come out. And I was like, oh, no. I, 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 and I feel bad saying that, but I just was expecting somebody totally different. I was truly expecting somebody totally different. But then I thought, all right, I'm going to give this a chance. I'm going to give it a chance. And I thought Griff Garrison, um, God, I don't remember the last time I heard Griff Garrison talk. So Griff Garrison getting the microphone and, you know, he's really angry. Uh, I didn't think it was terrible. I, I thought it was fine. It, it's just like what I said earlier. When you don't see people that often, it's hard to get instantly invested in them. And so I did struggle to get invested in this very quickly because I have not seen Griff Garrison in a long time. Um, and it's like if you're not watching, I know that he's out there doing Ring of Honor, but if you're not watching, then you're sort of missing out on that portion of it all. So, and I know I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person that's just tuning in to Dynamite and Collision. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's other people that uh, do the exact same thing. And so with that, it kind of felt like, all right, I'm not seeing this guy every single week like some other people are. So it was a little bit hard for me to really get on board. But I find it funny, though, to me, it felt like it was a match between uh, Edge and Young Edge <laughs> with the hair and everything. And they even played that into the commentary portion of it all. So I thought that was pretty funny. But Adam Copeland wins via submission, guys. Um Griff Garrison got a couple little moments here and there, but there was really nothing to uh, to really go off about in regards to the match itself. But after the match, Cole Carter decides to um, dropkick Adam Copeland, and then he goes to the top and he goes for a 450, and Adam ends up moving out of the way and then afterwards hits him with a massive spear. So I did like the little uh, part that they did it at the post-match angle. I did like what they did there. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but here's the thing. Adam Copeland has said that he wants to go in there and he wants to work with young talent. He wants to put over some young talent. And so far we've seen him work with uh, Christian Cage. <laughs> we've seen him work with, uh, and we've seen him work with Luchasaurus. That was his first match. It wasn't a bad match. It was a good, good first little matchup there. And now we've seen him here in this match against Griff Garrison. So, I get a little bit of what they're doing here. Um, I don't hate it, but it just wasn't necessarily the thing that has you leaping out of your seat. I think you need more. Like if this was just one portion of the show and then we got all of this other really intriguing stuff, then I would not have minded this at all. But when Adam Copeland, who's like one of your biggest stars on the show, like this is the angle that he's like that he's running for the week, it doesn't feel as interesting. So it's almost like you got to um, – you know, I just thought it could have been a little bit more interesting for sure. But it, you know what? Good opportunity for him, man. Uh, Juan Castle says Kingston had uh, an edge in NWA, AEW. Oh, that's mean. That's definitely mean, Juan. But also, I did not watch the NWA, so I'm out on that. <laughs> I'm sorry to the NWA. 
Y'all know how I feel. Uh, Jay Hudson says, hey, Denise, I'm going on a date tomorrow. She speaks Spanish. I'm learning to speak it. Uh, any suggestions? Someone from learning it. If you are single, just learning it score points with you. Yes. Um, I don't think that I would be able to. Uh, here's the thing. Like I would be if I were still single, I would be able to date somebody that didn't speak Spanish. But I don't think that I would be able to. Um. I don't think that I would be able to marry someone that didn't speak Spanish because my whole family speaks Spanish. So clearly the person that you marry or that you choose to marry, you want to see them bond with your family. So I don't think there was any way that I could marry someone that didn't speak Spanish because then they would never be able to talk to my grandparents. And that's very important to me. So uh, I feel that, yeah, like it's not like a must like, oh, 100% must speak the language, but it's a definitely a big help because you want the person to, that you end up being with to be able to talk and communicate with your family because your family becomes their family. So anyways, Jay, I don't know how serious this date is or isn't, but I wish you the very best of luck. And uh, I appreciate, well, I, I don't know why I appreciate, but she should appreciate that uh, you are uh, even caring about learning to speak a different language for this person. Because to be real, I wouldn't do it for somebody else. Like I'd be like, no, <laughs> you know? So the fact that you're willing to do it, that's awesome. Jay Hudson, thank you so much for the super chat. Um, righty. So let's go ahead and uh, move on from this and everything else, guys. Like there's some good there's like some good stuff to get into. So let's see. Darby Ellen and Sting defeated the workhorsemen. Of course, you know, you're going to get your fun spots with Darby Allen doing his coffin drop. I mean, this dude, no matter what level of match you're in, he's in, he is going to go out there and do something crazy. So it's always enjoyable to see that. But the big thing coming out of this is they announced a pretty cool matchup for next week's uh, AW Homecoming at Daly's Place. I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to be Sting and Darby versus Kanoshki Takeshita and Powerhouse Hobbs. Bro, now I don't know how many of you guys saw Darby Allen versus Kanoshke Takeshita from this Wednesday, but man, that was a banger of a match. If you missed it, go out of your way to watch it. I think you guys will very much enjoy it. If you watched it, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but this one's going to be fun, guys. It's going to be a Texas Tornado match at that, too. So I'm very excited about that. Um, all right, next topic. Brian Keith teamed up with Commander to take on Matt Taven and my, uh, Mike Bennett, the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. Brian Keith and Commander. Now, they are two polar opposites when it comes to, like, their style and just, like, their overall vibe and everything. I put out a tweet. <laughs> I put out a tweet that said, um, Brian Keith and Commander is literally me and Righteous Reg each and every single Wednesday on our post show. And it's true. <laughs> It very much is true. But let me tell you, man, Brian Keith and Commander teaming up together was pretty damn enjoyable. They went out there and they had some pretty cool, like unique um, spots for like a tag team. I thought they came up with some really good little moments there. I loved it. Brian Keith like helped launch Commander over the top rope uh, to take out the two guys on the outside. I thought that was freaking great. Uh, I almost want to see them tag permanently. Like I know they're supposed to be singles wrestlers, but damn, I wouldn't mind a little bit of a brief tag team run between Brian Keith and Commander. Uh, I was digging this, but other things that I dug that I want to highlight was Brian Keith doing that uh, running 
headbutt. I thought that was really good. Uh, his chops. I like his chops a whole lot. Um, and of course, I like anytime Commander flies. So that's pretty much that. But I feel bad because I was like not really into Matt Taven and Mike Bennett in this match. Like this whole match, I was into Brian Keith and Commander. Like they were they were the the creme de la creme for me in this matchup. And then when Matt Taven and Mike, Mike Bennett won, I was like, oh, well, I already knew that because they're the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. But all I cared about was Brian Keith and Commander going out there and doing cool shit. So that's sort of how I felt about this. Um, the Acclaimed and Bullet Club Gold. So they found themselves on the same page on Dynamite. And I think that they might be aligning I'm not really sure what's happening here, but I think they may be aligning with one another and I want to see it. I want to know where they're going with this. Uh, I'm intrigued by this. I don't really know the direction. I don't really know what's going to happen, but I'm intrigued uh, because they're both like, even though the Bullet Club Golds are heels, they're funny. They're funny in their own way. And of course, the acclaimed are very funny too, but uh, in totally different ways. So seeing them both like, get together i'm i'm interested i'm really am interested we got juan castle here who sends in a super chat saying kingston and homicide were money and there was no chop fest jay hudson just be you bro alpha male yo how good is your spanglish denise i'm fluent in spanish guys i'm really good at speaking spanish um i used to kind of feel a little bit self-conscious about my spanish and when i went to mexico last year was it last year? I think it was last year. I was not planning on really speaking Spanish in public because here's the thing. When you go to Mexico, there's like a lot of unwritten rules that people from here will tell you like, oh, don't do this. Don't do that for your safety. Right. And the whole thing is like you don't want to let people know that you're not from Mexico, right? Like you don't want people to know that you're American. Like that's what I was told, right? Like you want to be safe. Don't let people know that you're American because then you're just going to be looked upon uh, differently. Even if you are Mexican-American, it's not necessarily the same as being, you know, Mexican-Mexican in Mexico. And so I didn't want to come across and like, you know, I didn't want to like sound bad with my Spanish like at all. Like I didn't want to sound like I wasn't from Mexico. And obviously I'm not like 100% amazing at Spanish, right? But I will say this. I feel like I'm at least 98% phenomenal in Spanish because, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm stretching it. I'm going to give myself 90%. I deducted it, 90%. Um, but I, I got confirmation because our taxi driver started asking us questions and I was the one like responding. And then like somebody else brought up that I was, uh, oh, because he was picking us up from the airport and he was like, are you from here? And I was like, no. And I told him, uh, I ended up telling him and he was like, wow, he's like, your Spanish is really good. And I thought, really? I was so ashamed. I even told him, I was like, I was embarrassed to speak Spanish because I didn't want anyone to make fun of me. And he was like, no, your Spanish is good. And I thought, hot dog. I'm really happy now. So he sort of gave me that confidence. So shout out to that taxi driver in Mexico who gave me confidence about my Spanish. But I'm a conversationalist in Spanish. I'm not like I can't go on and do a one hour wrestling podcast in Spanish. Like I would fumble all over my words. I would, you know, mess up certain things, not know certain ways to say um there are certain terms that you use in pro wrestling when you're talking about pro wrestling that I wouldn't know how to translate in Spanish. And so for that reason, I can't 
do it that way, but I can definitely hold a conversation with anybody in Spanish and fully understand. Uh, but I also can't write in Spanish, but I can read in Spanish perfectly too. Reading, I can do it. Writing it, can't do it. Uh, Jay Hudson says, Denise, any suggestions for me learning it? I don't want to be offensive. I respect you so much for being bilingual, Denise. I'm freaking nervous. Help me. It's very, very hard. You're not going to be offensive at all. Uh, I actually think that's that person might find it endearing. Uh, I don't think you'll be inoffensive as long as you're open about like the fact that you're just learning and you don't know anything. Uh, I don't think you can come across as offensive. And the only app I've ever used to try to learn another language is Duolingo. But if you're really serious, like really, really serious about learning another language, you got to do so by like watching programs, listening to the music. Uh, that's personally how I got really good at talking Spanish was obviously talking about it with my talking with it with my family, but watching TV shows, um, watching telenovelas, listening to music and singing the songs. Obviously, that's how you're going to better yourself um, with any other language for sure. Yes, boy says Taz once managed Joe and TNA. Hook is Taz's shoot son. Give me Taz on commentary during this Hook Joe match. So Hook called out Samoa Joe. And I thought, what the hell? What is going on? Are we in the Twilight Zone? What is happening? Now, Hook is awesome. We all love Hook. But Hook and Samoa Joe are on two totally different levels. As a matter of fact, Samoa Joe is your AW World Champion. But the fact that Hook called him out, that takes some balls, man. Um, So I'm curious to see what they're going to do with this matchup if they do it. I mean, they have to, right? He called them out. Samoa Joe ain't not going to answer someone's challenge. Um, so I'm curious to see how this is going to play out. And I think that this is exciting for Hook because for the most part, they've had they've kept Hook in a similar spot. And the kid is over, man. He has been over since the very beginning. And it's just a matter of doing something different and doing something bigger and better with Hook. And damn, I don't know how much better it gets than going after Samoa Joe. Uh, I think they, this could... I think they can do Hook and Samoa Joe and just have a really fun match and really see where Hook's skill level is at when they're in the ring with somebody like Samoa Joe. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with this. But yeah, it was totally for me. It kind of felt like, oh, shit, he's really going there. What? He's calling out Samoa Joe. What? Um, so that one took me back uh, uh, back a little bit. It really, really did. Um, thank you so much to Yes Boy um, for sending that uh, super chat in as well. Um, all right. Someone that I do want to put over right now because I thought this person did phenomenal. Um, this was in the match between Kira Hogan and Sky Blue. So Sky Blue's, you know, she's been great. She's obviously been, um, you know, changing her look. But she's already popular. Um, Kira Hogan, you know, she... I thought that her run that I saw in Impact Wrestling was a lot better than what I've seen from her in AEW. But with that being said, I was a big fan of her in this matchup. She's the person that I want to put over here because I thought she looked solid, man. She went out there and she looked so freaking good. I liked everything that she did. She looked super sturdy. I loved everything that she brought to this matchup. Um, so I do want to shout out Kira Hogan, and I hope that we get to see her in more matches like this because she did good. Uh, I thought that in-ring-wise, she even looked, she caught my eye a little bit more so than Sky Blue, which was a little bit unexpected considering that I really like Sky Blue. But Kira Hogan, I mean, she kind of stole my attention a little bit during this matchup. So I do want to shout her out for that. Uh, Serena Deeb, we also got a uh, vignette 
for Z Serena Deeb. And I really was a big fan of this too. Um, she's like in the straight jacket and she's kind of talking about how during this time that she's been gone, that she's been studying the AEW women's division. And she's talking about how she can't be tracked trapped because she can break out out of any shackles and during this time we're seeing imagery of her breaking out of this straight jacket uh and she says she's ready to return. And I thought, oh, this is really cool. Like, this made her look really serious. Obviously, Serena Deeb is known for knowing all of the holds, knowing all of the submissions, knowing all of that stuff. So really, really just, like, pushing that to the people automatically makes you want to see Serena Deeb return. And obviously, her matches always get over. Like, she goes out there and wrestles, and she wins people over with her wrestling. So, uh wrestling is truly her strong suit when it comes to that so that was a big moment too but uh other than that i had already mentioned the claudio castagnoli andrew everett's match but uh it was pretty much i felt like the exact same thing we saw with adam copeland and griff garrison he goes uh andrew goes out there has a couple of high spots but claudio schools him and gives him with the um uh gets him in a victory here. So he wins. But the big thing that I want to talk about, though, is that we're going to get Claudio Castagnoli versus Hangman Adam Page next week. Dude, when I saw this match announcement, I thought, hell yeah. So we already got the Tornado Tag Team match. They announced this match. They announced a couple more matches. Um, There was another one, and I'm blanking on what was the other match that they, they announced. Uh, I'll pull it up right now in just a second. But... Um, they announced a couple of matches for AEW Dynamite Homecoming, and I really like what they um, pulled out for um, for the show. Let me see if Tony Khan posted it because I saw he was posting matches. Um, what was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Ricky Starks versus Sammy Guevara. That was the other match that I was forgetting. So that was the other match that they also uh, announced for uh, Homecoming. And that one's also one that I'm looking forward to as well. Um, and that's pretty much it. They also did announce, by the way, Battle of the Bouts is going to be taking place next week. And one of the matches that's going to be happening is Sammy and Jericho are going to be teaming up uh, to challenge for the uh, AEW tag team titles against Ricky Starks and Big Bill in a street fight. And that's supposed to be happening at Battle of the Bouts. Oh, man. Ladies and gents, that was AEW Collision. I'm like seriously shocked. I thought that I was going to come on here and I was like praying that I had 35 minutes of podcast content for this. I am stunned that I ended up doing 40 minutes on this episode of Collision. Um, so thank you so much to everybody who participated, who ever, everybody who tuned in and uh, everybody that took part in the chat. Uh, before I go, I am doing a bonus podcast tomorrow and this one's going to be a little bit different. And depending on how it goes, maybe I'll do more. We'll see. Or maybe just sporadically. Um, but Reg and I will be here tomorrow at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and we're going to be doing a podcast regarding the first week of pro wrestling so talking about like all of the big moments that have taken place this week and where we're at where we're thinking things are going and just overall topics like that um so very very um miscellaneous I guess so I'm looking forward to that if you guys want to come in and hang out and check that one out that'll be sort of a catch-up for everything that's been happening uh in pro wrestling Pro Wrestling for 2024. And uh, on top of that, too, next week's going to be huge here on the channel. If you guys are fans of my interviews, next week I have 
four interviews that are going to be dropping. And I think they're going to be pretty damn good. Uh, I hope you guys will check those out. Keep an eye out for that. I'm posting so much content. Uh, I'm very excited about 2024 and the possibility. So, man. That is it, everybody. That was AEW Collision, the first episode of 2024. Thank you so much to everybody. If you haven't yet, you're already on the Apple Podcast or you're on Spotify, leave a review. I want to have some reviews to read on future episodes. So hopefully we get some. Uh, Other than that, everybody have an awesome week. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone.